Give the Lord a hand clap. Isn't that awesome? You know, we're finishing 28 days of prayer, and uh, we could have added this sermon in. I just kind of made it a little separate, but uh, I've done this before, but I've got Patrick up here with me, and we're going to have a conversation. Yeah, he just waved at y'all. Wave back at him. He needs some <laughs> Encourage him. He's nervous. And, uh, but if you need sermon notes, raise your hand. There, there's really notes. You got to write them down yourself, but if you want some notes, and you really need to take some notes on this today. Uh, we're going to have a conversation about inheritance and uh, in the kingdom of God. Inheritance is the title of this sermon. If you're taking notes, write that down and uh, get ready. Father, we thank you for the word of God today. We thank you that just you reveal who we are in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to read in Ephesians, and we're going to read out of the New American Standard Bible, Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. Now, you write that down. Don't write the whole scripture down, but I'm going to have some things you to say. When I say you repeat that, I want you to write it down. Now, Ephesians 1 is an awesome chapter. Ephesians 3 is a prayer that Paul prayed over the church, that your eyes, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Come on. Uh, Are your eyes enlightened today? Well, you know what? The Holy Spirit's going to enlighten some things to you. And uh, so we're going to lay out inheritance and uh, I'm going to go ahead and give you a little secret. People ask me all the time, I, I just want to know what I'm called to do. It's not what you're called to do, it's, what you, it's, it's who you're called to be. When you find out who you're called to be, what you're called to do comes. Because you can know what you're called to do, but if you don't know who you are, you're never going to be successful. You know, see how I just sat there? You gotta, you gotta get to be successful. You gotta know who you are in Jesus, and it doesn't matter what fire you're going through, what flood comes. I know who I am. I know who I am in Christ. Okay, so we're talking about inheritance, who we are in Christ, not what we. It's what we get, but it's who we are. Mainly the focus today, and what we're supposed to do with who we are. Okay, so I'm going to read. Uh, Ephesians 1, 3, he's going to put it on the screen. We're going to just keep reading till I stop, all right? So, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. I, I got to stop. I don't have every heavenly blessing, but I want it. I have the ones I pursue Okay, I, I just won't, I, I, I'm having a hard time sitting down, okay? So stay with me. Just as he chose us, everybody say us, in him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. Man, this whole mess of preach right here, Jesus said forgive 70 times 7. If he forgives us that much, he forgives you. You're blameless. You got to receive that. Well, pastor, I'm no good. Ah, wrong thinking. If you're something you've done wrong, repent. He is faithful and just to forgive you. Now you're clean. If your hands are dirty, wash them. If you got sin in your life, quit it. Ask for forgiveness. We're going to keep going. I'm trying. I'm trying. And blameless in him in love. He predestinated, he predestinated us to adoption as sons and daughters. Everybody say sons and daughters. Through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. God said, it's a good thing that I'm making you sons and daughters. It's my pleasure to make you sons and daughters. My pleasure. 
Quit to get that unworthiness out of here. I don't allow it in here anymore in the name of Jesus. Get it out of your mind. You need us to say that. To the praise of the glory of his grace with which he favored us in the beloved. You're favored. Everybody say, I'm favored. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our wrongdoings, according to the riches of his grace. I can stop and preach grace, but we're not doing that today. Which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he set forth in him, regarding his plan of the fullness of times, to bring all things together in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. Verse 11, in hold him... Up, hold up there, Pat. Yo, go ahead, go ahead. Whoa. <laughs> things in heaven and things on earth. Things on earth? Yeah. We ain't got to wait till the sweet by and by before we get this? In the sweet by and Come by. Come on. Come on. That's all I'm going to say. We'll get to it later. All right. So, it didn't got me off. Verse 11 is where we're at. Heaven and earth. Also according, let me get it up here. Also, we have obtained an inheritance. Everybody say inheritance. inheritance. Having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things in accordance with the plan of his will. It was God's will from the beginning of time when man failed that he had a, he had a plan. Predestined means he had a plan to save you. When Jesus was on the cross, he saw you. I'm, saying, I'm, I'm, I'm dying. I'm the first one to die for everybody. And he was the firstborn of many brethren. That's what it says. Firstborn of you. And so we have an inheritance. It's his will. Verse 12. To the end that we who were in the first, uh, excuse me, to the end that we who were in the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. Verse 13. In him you also. Say me too. Me too. After listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation Having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Say, I'm sealed. sealed. Who is the first installment? Installment, installment, installment. I sat down one time to buy a car, to buy a house or two, and they told me your first installment is due May the 5th, February the 2nd, your first payment. Installment. You with me? Everybody get what an installment is? The first payment, the first down payment is due. It's been paid. The first installment of our inheritance in regard to the redemption of God's own possession. We're his possession. Let me back up and read. Let's go back to 13 because it just, it just went out the door. I want somebody to grab it before it goes out the door this time. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, Having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. That's the first installment. That's just the first thing. How many people are living in, oh, I just hope I make it to heaven. I, I, I'm, just trying to, I'm just trying to be a good Christian. I'm just, eh. Ain't trying nothing. You're either saved or you're not. And that's the first installment. I got to get up. That's the first installment. Jesus shed his blood. The first thing is he gave you the Holy Spirit when you got saved. I don't have a tattoo, but I got one on my chest and I got one on my arm that I'm sealed with the Holy Ghost. I got the down payment. And if you don't know that you're saved, today's the day of salvation. You got to have that knowing that nobody can talk me out of it. I have had too many 
visitations from God that I know I'm saved. Man, he has revealed himself to me. He is real. You know, don't get caught up in UFOs and aliens. It's God you're chasing. Don't be chasing Bigfoot. It's God. Don't be chasing vampires. You don't want that mess. You want God. There's so many things that just, we start, instead of God, we got our eyes on God, and then we start trickling off on some crazy stuff. We serve a mighty God, and he saved you, and he sealed you. That was the first thing he did, and that's what we're trying to teach today, that there's more than just being saved. You got to have that solid, okay? Who is the first installment in verse 14 of our inheritance in regard to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. You got anything to say before I just take over? Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> so This is hard. It's why we're sitting down. As, as I was thinking about inheritance, one of my favorite stories concerning inheritance um, is the prodigal son. And we don't always get uh, that lesson looking at inheritance, but more of just the love of the father, how he took back the prodigal. But I want to run through that story just real quick. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, the prodigal son goes to the father and he says, Father, give me my portion of the inheritance. And then after it, it says, this is, this is key. The father divided the inheritance between the younger son and the older son. He, it says that he, he divided it between them. Then it says not many days later, the younger son goes and squanders that inheritance in prodigal living. And so fast forward, the son comes back to his senses. He goes home. The father receives him, puts a robe on him, puts uh, the ring on him, puts sandals on him. The older son comes home. He hears the celebration. Uh, The father kills the fattened calf. They're throwing a party. They're throwing a celebration. The younger sons come back. So the older son hears the celebration. He says, what's going on? And they they tell him that your, your brother's come back and your father has killed the fattened calf. And so the older brother gets offended and this is what he says. He said, he, his father comes out, and he, his father invites him to come into the party. And the older brother says to the father, I've been here with you, serving you my whole life. I've never disobeyed your commands, and you've never even given me a goat to celebrate with my friends. And what his father says is that he says, son, you've always been here with me. And everything that I have is yours. Everything that I have is yours. And remember back at the beginning, it says that the father divided the inheritance between the younger son and the older son. But in the older son's mind, he says, Father, I've been here with you and I've served you. So in his mind, we get, we get to see that he was a son, but in his mind, he was a slave. I've been here with you. I've obeyed you, but you've never given me anything. And his father says, yeah, I I killed the fatted calf for your brother, but son, you own the farm. Son, you own the farm. And so what's the biggest, let me ask you guys this, what's the bigger tragedy? Is the tragedy that the younger son recognized his inheritance and squandered it, or is a bigger tragedy that the older son stayed in the presence of the father and never recognized his inheritance? Mm. Okay. So we're trying to get you to recognize your inheritance today. So let, let me read this. I wrote this. said, God gave us a status. God gave us the status of sonship. You didn't earn it. Jesus earned it for you. So you're a son and a daughter. Say, I'm a son or I'm a daughter. Say it. Now, with all its privileges. All right, now, 
You didn't earn it, but you got the privilege. Okay? Not only did he redeem us from the bondage of sin, but also we were redeemed unto sonship. So, So many preachers preach sin, 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 sin consciousness. That's all I knew growing up in the church. That's what I said. I wore my rededicator out. I was rededicating every Sunday because they never told me that I could have power over the sin that I was doing. They always preached sin, and they'd find something that reading the comics was a sin. You know, something was a sin all the time. Well, God wants you to have the victory over sin and not to be. My grandfather had a poverty mentality. He grew up in uh, the Depression. And I fell and skimped my knee, and he said, you tear your clothes? I said, no, sir. He said, well, that skin will grow back. Your brother needs those clothes. I'm like, what? Man, I'm hurting here. But that's a poverty mentality. We have a sin conscience mentality. God doesn't want us. He wants us to be free from even thinking about it, free from that unworthiness, free, and change over to son. I'm a daughter of the king. Jesus is the king. He's your brother. It's good to have royalty. I've been saying that the last three Sundays. It's good to have royalty in the family. Matter of fact, it makes us royalty. So let me finish. And, and, uh, and peop- many people stop short, only realizing what they were delivered from, not what they have inherited. Sure, we need to rejoice, and we do every Sunday when we worship, and we need to worship God. Thank God we're redeemed. But also we need to move on and realize the full benefits of our inheritance. We have an inheritance. All the promises of God are yes and amen. Everybody say yes and amen. Yes and amen. To, say to me. The, the promises are yes and amen. Now, our, our negative self-perception sabotages our success. There's some things that you won't even step out and try because I can't do that. I've done that before. I failed. I'm quitting. Uh-uh. Our identity shapes our actions. If we're stuck in a negative, defeated view of life, it's hard to behave like a confident, successful keeper of God's Word. Instead of setting life goals to focus on what you want to do, how about set life goals on who you want to become? I want to be a son of God. I want to be like Jesus. I want to walk in my inheritance. That's good. And so, sons and gods, you, you got anything you want to add before we go to number one? Yeah, so, so self-perception... Um, what this makes me think of is the children of Israel. So um, God delivered them out of Egypt, but Egypt wasn't taken out of them, right? So uh, he, he delivers them out of Egypt. He takes them to the promised land, and then he sends out spies from every tribe, so 12 spies, and they go and they check it out for 40 days. And so after 40 days, they come back and they present uh, before Moses and the children of Israel that that this land is certainly flowing with milk and honey, as God has said. But, and it says, nevertheless, this was their confession. Uh, Ten out of, the, out of the 12 said, nevertheless, there's giants in the land. And so, I mean, they brought back, it, was, it took two men to carry back the fruit, the, the grapes, how big these clusters of grapes were. So the abundance was there, the promise was there, the inheritance was there. Everything God told them that I'm giving you, but then they said, nevertheless, there's giants in the land. And so they said, we are like grasshoppers in our, own, in our sight and as well as their sight. So their self-perception is what prevented them 
from stepping into the inheritance that God had for them. So mm-hmm. there was nothing wrong with the promise. Mm-hmm. There was nothing wrong with the promised land. Mm-hmm. But it was, it was all contingent upon their self-perception as children of God. But Caleb and Joshua had a different confession. They had a different spirit. They didn't have a nevertheless conversation. They, had, they said, God has given us the land, and they should, talk about the giants, I love this. They, they said, and they shall be our prey. Talk about a different spirit. Mm-hmm. They shall be our prey. Man, what boldness and confidence did, did they have that the other ten did not have? And it was about that self-perception that God is for us. God has given this. This is our land. And they like that land, that promise, they, their identity was tied to it. This is Man. ours. This is mine. I'm taking responsibility. And so like, like promises are often given with giants. Because if you think about it, a promise is something that, that's in the future. It's something I don't have yet. I don't have possession of yet. So, so there's something in between me and the promise. So the very nature of what a promise is means that there's an obstacle to, to overcome to obtain it. Mm-hmm. Promises are given with giants. And so we have to be overcomers, giant overcomers, giant slayers, just to be partakers of the inheritance. It's wrapped up in our identity. Mm-hmm. And so... That. I say, Amen, Amen. <laughs> so, so I love that part. I love, I love this this topic um, because one of the most recent frustra- frustrations I've had is just, you know, I read this in the scripture where Joshua, when they gave that confession, it says that he ripped his clothes, and and so you get to see that that it just indignation of like, come on, people, come on, and so it's like I see that and I see it in the body. And, and, and I go to God, and I'm like, God, why is the body of Christ not stepping into their inheritance? I read the Scripture, Lord, and I see what you have for your people. But when I look at your people, there's not much separation between us and the world. Mm. There was even a statistical study done by a, one, a very well-known church. What they found was that, that where the biggest... Um, Social injustices took place in the in the or in our nation. Um, also, not just social injustice, but the the biggest um, troublesome demographics crime. of society: mm-hmm. crime rates, unemployment rates, all that stuff. They were also the highest. There was also the highest church attendance in those same cities. And so, what that what that showed us is that our involvement in our cities um, it's important. It is important. But what it's showing us is that church attendance is not relating to societal impact. And so it goes back to that scripture where Jesus says, you know, don't, don't take a light and put it under a basket. And so what we've done is we've gotten to, into this habit of gathering. We go to church on Sundays. We go to church on uh, Sunday nights. On Wednesday, we have the men's group, the women's group. We have uh, the accountability group. And so what we do is we gather so much that we don't make opportunity to step into taking possession of the inheritance. It's one thing to discover the inheritance. That's that's the first step is when you're coming out of the world, you have to discover who you are in Christ. Then nine times it said in that scripture you just read, nine times in him, through him, him. Mm -hmm. It was all about in Christ. Mm -hmm. You have to discover that and be aware of that before you can steward that. Mm-hmm. So the answer is not to, it's, it's not in not gathering. It's not, you know, well, we just don't need to go to church anymore. It's not that. It's go and receive 
discover your inheritance, but then you have to, we have, as the body of Christ, we have to switch over to, all right, God has given us this. Now it's time to take it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we Christians, we love to worship, um, but we don't so much always like to go to war. And so, like, the spirit of David, the different spirit that Joshua and Caleb had was the same spirit that David had. He was mm-hmm. a worshiper. He could mm-hmm. be in the, in the pasture uh, worshiping God, but then when it was time, uh, Goliath stepped on the scene, and he is just defying the armies of God. And, and you can see David's cry. He says, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? And then he is the one person, and he'd already been anointed mm-hmm. uh, king. And so he took responsibility, and he stepped onto the battlefield and cut the head off of that giant. And so we have to transit. It's one thing to worship, and I love worship. And we get the privilege of, of uh, sitting under amazing worship here. Mm-hmm. But I believe that the Spirit of God would say to the churches today that we have to, we have to learn how to transition from worship to warfare. Mm-hmm. And it looks different. We can't stay in the church. You, know? you have to have a different spirit that you're a worshiping warrior. Because if we don't, we can study the promises all day long, but we'll never possess it. Mm-hmm. Isn't that good? So number one, sons and daughters take responsibility. What? Sons and daughters take responsibility. I'm going to read two scriptures, and then uh, Patrick's going to talk about our royalty and our responsibility of our royalty. In Romans 14, 12, it says, So then, let, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. You're going to give an account of your life to God. And 1 Timothy 1, 7 said, God gave us a God, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love. And the King James says a sound mind. This one says uh, self-control. Self-control. Or how about a disciplined mind? God has not given us a spirit of fear, Come on, but a sound mind. So when we talk about royalty and sons and daughters, you know, what, what does that mean? What is, what, what? So, so royalty, like we're, we're, we're not used to that term in America a whole lot. Uh, we don't have kings uh, here. But, but in Revelations, God calls us kings and priests. So kings rule and priests minister. Those two things, kings rule and priests minister. And so I heard it said that our heart should be that we rule as kings. We rule with the hearts of servants, but we serve with the hearts of kings. Just think about that for a second. Unpack that. When I rule, when I have a place of authority, you can, you can have a place of authority but be a tyrant. And, and we've, seen, we've seen religious leaders be tyrants. We've seen government leaders be tyrants. And so the answer is not you being one in authority. It's that you can be in authority and rule with the heart of God, with the, with the heart of the Father. You can rule with the heart of a uh, servant. And in your service, that you can serve with the heart of a king. And the difference is a king takes responsibility for the kingdom. You know, you can have a king 
but he's not, he doesn't have a kingly identity. And you see that all through the, the, the kings of Israel, the kings were, they were jacked up, to be honest. I mean, they're just poor kings. But when a king rules with the heart of a servant, completely different. And so, so what does that look like for us? Well, I love this statement, and it's that those that are closest to the palace are more likely to take responsibility for kingdom issues. Those that are closest to the palace, and the palace meaning the heart of God, you, the, the, the home, the house of the Lord, the house of the Lord, the culture of the Father, those that are closest to the palace are more likely to take responsibility for kingdom issues. And you see that in Jesus' confession when his parents lost him for three days. His response was, didn't you know that I must be about my father's business? Mm -hmm. And then you see it in Solomon in the Old Testament. Solomon gets authority. He gets kingship. But Solomon's heart cry was, Father, Lord God, give me wisdom to lead this people. And so he, he, he didn't just have authority as a king. He had royalty in his heart to serve. And God said, because you've asked for this and not the lives of your enemies or for riches or for fame, I'm going to give this all to you. Because God can trust someone who wants to step into responsibility, not just take authority. Mm -hmm. Amen. Do you get that? Take responsibility. So, so it's all through the Bible that we're to take responsibility. And, 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 and Galatians 6, 7 said, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows into his life, that will he also reap into his life. Maybe you heard the story about the man, he had his kids, and he said, When you turn 12, I'm going to tell you the secret of life. Y'all heard this? The secret of life. So his oldest son turned 12, and he said, I'm going to tell you, he goes, he couldn't wait to hear the secret of life. <clears throat> and he said, I'm going to tell you the secret of life, but you can't tell your brothers and sisters until they turn 12. And he goes, okay, I'm ready, I'm ready. And he goes, son, cows don't give milk. He goes, what? He goes, cows don't give milk. The farmer goes, gets it. God has given the promise. You got to go get it. You got to go sow it. You got to expect to reap from it. You got to go get it and expect to receive from it. But isn't it strange when people in Christianity, when they come to God, they won't say, well, God's mysterious. It's not even a scripture. God moves in mysterious ways. It's not even a scripture. But they won't say God's mysterious and he'll, God does work behind the scenes. And I've really been pushing hard that we have to get in agreement with God. And he really works behind the scenes then. And, and so we need to get up Okay, at lunch today, I know y'all going to eat lunch. When they deliver your food or when you make the food, sit down at the table and say, Lord, if, you, if it's your will for me to eat this lunch, feed me. Feed me, Lord. But when it comes to the promises of God, we go, well, if God wants me to have it. He's already given it. He wants you to have it. You don't have it up here or in here. God wants you to have it. Come on. Get that scripture. Woo, yes. Okay. And you know, that, that's really yeah. good because in 
I'm in real estate, so in house sales, um, if you've ever been a part of a real estate transaction, it can go south real quick. Uh, and there's a lot of obstacles that have to be overcome along the way. And so something that I hear uh, pretty regularly, very often, multiple times, uh, is a client might say, well, if they're a Christian, they might say, well, well, maybe this isn't the will of God because we're having so many uh, difficulties, we're having so many obstacles. And I just have to tell them, I'm say, I'm say, we need to know beforehand if this is the will of God before we go after this. Because, like, if you just go back to the children of Israel, you have to know what your promise is. You have to know what your inheritance is because the moment you step out onto that battlefield and you are presented with a nine-foot-tall giant, you have to know why you're there. Because if you don't, fear is going to set in, anxiety is going to set in, and you're going to hightail it out of there because there's no cause. That's why when David said, is there not a cause, mm-hmm. you better know the cause. Mm-hmm. And if you're, if you're going to, back in real estate, if you're going to get under contract on a house, you better know that that's your house because there's going to be many obstacles to overcome between contract day and closing day. And we live life this way. We live life that, oh, I'm facing an, a challenge. I'm facing an obstacle. I must not be in God's will. And then we just give up on the promise. Mm-mm. You better get ready to fight, son. Mm-hmm. Because that's, that's where your promise is. Mm-hmm. There, there's a fight between where you are today and your inheritance. Amen. Mm-hmm. So, so isn't that good? Uh, let, me, let me add this. As a believer, your habits matter more than you can imagine. Because you are what you repeatedly do. And you are what you repeatedly say. What you say and what you do is what you are. Oh, you can come to church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Love it. Oh, I'm great. I'm an overcomer. Pastor said, repeat after me. I'm an overcomer. I'm an overcomer. And you walk out the door and say, man, in my life, I'm just defeated. We can't ever get ahead. We're always a day late and a dollar short. Uh-uh. We're more than conquerors. We're successful. We got to start relying on God. And we'll get to that after number two. Number two, you ready to write? Sons and daughters take authority. Sons and daughters take authority. We take responsibility. Just like you're going to eat lunch. You're taking responsibility to eat, and you're taking authority over that fork to dive it into that food. Okay? Simple, simple, simple. We take authority. We take authority. I'm going to give you a scripture. We're going to read Matthew 16 through 19. Matthew 16, 16 through 19. Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered him and said, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. Now, Jesus had just asked who they say I am. And he said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. You're the anointed, the anointed one of God. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are now Peter, and on this rock, this revelation, I will build my church, that Jesus is the Christ, he is the Messiah, he is the Savior of the world, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Now, uh, just real quick, Jesus went down. Who had the keys to the kingdom? Satan. Satan. Satan got them from Adam and Eve. Satan got the keys. Jesus took them back. Because when Jesus was tempted by Satan, he said, I give you the authority over all these cities. 
the authority over all the, the wealth in this world. If you'll just bow to me, I'll give you the authority over this. Jesus said, you don't have that authority. He didn't argue with him. He knew he had the keys. Jesus came to take those keys back. Glory to God, and he's given the church the keys. We're the church. We got to take authority. I always use the example, I had a stray dog come in my house. I had the door open, airing out the house. I looked at that dog like, get out of here. I took authority. Oh, I know. It was a cute dog. I had two dogs. I didn't need another one. But it didn't belong in my house. It wasn't my dog. But how many of you go all to the devil when he comes up to you and go, oh, this is your sickness. This is your abuse when you was abused as a child. I've been abused. Oh, this is yours. No, it's not mine. It's not mine. Somebody told me they had a dream. They had a dream they were divorced, they're getting married, and they had a dream that they were going through a divorce again. I said, that's a lie. That's the devil. This is the playground he tries to play in. Take authority, and, and uh, you're up, authority and responsibility. Hey, all right. So I want to read this. This, this was a you know, reverse engineering responsibility and authority and um, I've come to, con to the conclusion that authority rests on responsibility. That many times we want authority, we want a title, we want a position, we want, and authority is just rule and reign. Um, but we want authority, but we don't want responsibility. Y'all need to listen. All right, and that's one of the hardest things in ministry is many people want a title, they want a platform, but they don't want the responsibility of dealing with sheep. Sheep, y'all be messy. They stink. Y'all messy. All right. So, so pastoring people can get messy, and people don't, they want to be up here in the suit under the spotlight, but they don't want to be in the sheep pen pastoring people. All right. So there's a huge difference between authority and responsibility. But let me just read this because I want to get it right. So responsibility proceeds and shoulders authority. It's the sacrificial lamb that proceeds the lion of Judah. It's husbands, love your wives, that proceeds wives, submit to your husbands. It's the Lamb of God that brought the responsibility of sacrifice, but it's the line of Judah that brings authority, that inspires and requires submission. And on that day, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And so when he comes, he's coming in authority. But when he came before, he came with the responsibility of mankind on his shoulders. Mm -hmm. The reason, it says that they marveled at his speech because he spoke as one having authority. And the reason he spoke as one having authority because he's the only one who took responsibility for mankind's situation. And so when we, when we step into those places of responsibility, it's our seats. It's those seats of responsibility that we, we, we sit in, that we step into, that will become thrones of destiny. But responsibility has, has to come first. And that's it. That's all I got on that. Tell the story about your house. Okay, yeah. So, so driving down the road one day, and I get a phone call from a tenant. My wife and I have about, you know, we have, we have rental property. And I get a phone call from a tenant, and she's stressed out. She says, hey, somebody just hit the house. And I say, what do you mean somebody just hit the house? Somebody just ran their vehicle into the house. 
And I've never gotten that phone call before, so at first I didn't know what to do about that. <laughs> they didn't teach us that when we were taking our real estate education class. So, so I said, okay, I'll, I'm on my way. I'll be there in a minute. When I get there, the police officers are already there. Everybody's out in the street. Uh, what happened, the guy was across the street working on his truck, and it fell off the jacks, and it rolled all the way across the street, and the back of it slammed into the front of the house, and it busted up the cinder block patio and all that stuff. Nobody was hurt. Um, so I get there, and the police officer tells me the situation, and he says, how do you want to handle it? Meaning, like, do I want to press charges? Or and, and at first it catches me off guard, and I'm like, what do you mean, how do I want to handle it? You're the one of authority. But... What I realized after I processed all this is that because I was the one, my name was on the deed of the house, of the property. I was the owner, meaning ownership and responsibility go hand in hand. When you take ownership of something, you take responsibility for something. And so because I was the one who took responsibility for the property, the one in authority submitted his authority under my authority. The, the local authorities submitted his authority under my authority because my authority was backed by responsibility. Isn't that good? And that's what really got me into this responsibility or, or authority. Responsibility shoulders authority. Responsibility is more powerful than authority is. It carries more weight. All so, right. So, so we're going to close out with this. Listen to this. You have the responsibility to present the gospel. You have the authority to give the gospel. You can't save anybody. You can't tell people going to hell. That's not saving them. You give them the gospel, which is the good news. And as you present it, you, you, you present it with the responsibility to pray for people that you're going to present it to. And then you have the authority to present the gospel. And the Holy Spirit gets involved. And then they get saved. And see, it's the good news that, we that we're responsible for. We're responsible to live this good news out, but we're responsible to say, you can have it too. I've had people say, you know, what, what is you got? I just saw you hit your hand with a hammer, and you ain't cussing. Well, I got God. And, you know, I, I learned when I was in a, a, when I was seven-year-old playing Little League, I had a boy with soul malnutrition playing with us. He caught a fly ball, and it broke his finger through the glove, through the skin. And, and the coach said, if, if cussing would have healed anything, he'd have been healed right there. Because I'm telling you, it was horrible. But that's how malnutrition he was. And, uh, but, but we have the, uh, the responsibility to preach the gospel to our children, our grandchildren, and to love people, but the, the, the authority to present the gospel, but the responsibility is to pray for people's hearts. We got to take the responsibility to pray for people, pray for our nation. Come on, instead of griping about the, what they're, they're, the judges are about to rule on, pray, pray, pray. That's our part. And we do take a stand, but prayers, we got, if, taking a stand don't matter if you don't pray. Then if just we're just going to war. God will uh, divert the war back to a spirit. It's spiritual. Everything's spiritual. But you just let that sit on you a minute. Take responsibility for your life. You have the authority to change it. God said, I give you the authority. Hey, Pop. So, yeah, one more. Go say, ahead. Say one thing real quick is <laughs> that we, we spend a lot of time trying to get people 
uh, to heaven. But like reading the scriptures, Jesus spent a lot more time trying to get heaven into people. And like just this responsibility that I'm not just trying to make it to heaven. I'm not just trying to get someone to heaven. Like there's so much possession to take place right now. The most powerful scripture that I can think of is as he is, so are we in this world. And so like we have to start taking on that identity of Christ. Like I hear it all the time. Well, I'm no Jesus. And, and, and we understand what they're saying. Like I fall short of Jesus all the time, but we should be. We have to identify with his identity. When we look into the scripture, it's like looking into a mirror. We behold Christ and we see who we are. Mm -hmm. We get the privilege of discovering who he is for eternity. And as we discover who he is, we discover who we are. When we discover who we are, we can step into who we're supposed to be. And we have to do it here. We, the church has waited around for the rapture for decades. And, and we cannot step into our responsibility of making disciples of nations if we're waiting for the great escape. Amen. And so we have to start stepping into, instead of God, instead of asking God, Lord, use me, however you want to use me, use me. And then just going on, waiting for God to do something like the food analogy, waiting for God to feed you. Instead of saying, God, use me, and then waiting for him to do something, ask the question, God, what do you want me to be responsible for? How do you want me to be responsible for nations? How do you want me to be responsible for my home, for my family, for my wife, for my kids, for my community, for my church, for my city, for my region, for my state, for my nation, for the world? How do you want me to be responsible for this? Because it sets on my shoulders. Nations are my inheritance. Mm -hmm. Amen. So, when you take responsibility for the word and begin to pray the word, the authority of the word comes in alive inside of you. So there have been many times that I stood before God and said, you know, there was something I needed and I'm standing for a promise. And I go to God like this, Father, I'm your son. You know me. Me, I love you. I serve you. I follow after you. I'm your child. I'm your son. And Father, I need this promise to come to pass in my life. I need your help. The Bible says come boldly to the throne of grace. You come. I'm your child. Put God his attention. You're my father. And Father, I, I declare that you provide my need. And I'm going to stand until I get it. I'm standing in your promise. I'm standing in your word. And I take authority that it be loosed in the earth for me. Whatsoever you bound in that. And, you know, nothing in heaven needs to be bound. God hinders uh, God doesn't hinder. God sends the promise. Satan hinders it. And if it's coming through people like a job or a person, you got to pray over those people. Because God may want you to have it, and they're just too hard-headed to let it go. Or too hard-headed to hire you. Or the revelation and the light hadn't clicked in them. Pray, pray. But I have stood on the word. I'm your child. This is your promise. I want this in my life. Help me to get in line for it. And every day, every day, you stand in that promise. I've, I've, I've messed an elbow up, to, you know, doing post hole diggers. I speak to that arm. This is not the will of God. You heal my wounds. You heal my body. I'm standing on your word today. And every time I felt a twinge of pain and I wanted to grab it, I grab it. I said, no, that's healed in the name of Jesus. That's how it works. You stand till you receive. Get your receivers up. Worship and thank God for it. Amen? So bow your heads today real quick. 
I want to ask you, if you're here and you, don't, you have never stepped through the door of salvation, Jesus came to pay the price for you. And that door is just the beginning of a life with God, a great life with God that God wants you to have, a great and mighty life. If you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're not sure, will you lift your hand and say, pray for me, Pastor Brett? Anybody? Maybe you're here today and just, just kind of shook you a little bit. And you know what? I need to get on top of my game. I need to get up and take responsibility. And I need to start walking with God in a deeper measure. I need to take a stand and use my, I need to take the responsibility to use the authority that God has given me to go deeper in life. If that's you today, go to the prayer team. But I'm going to pray over you. But what I really want you to go to the prayer team, if, you're, if you got saved as a kid or got saved years ago and you're really not sure, Man, you need to go and let them lay hands on you till you get that assurance. Because you can know that you know that you know that you know that you're a child of God. And nothing can talk you out of it. God wants you to have the victory. And it starts with salvation and God wants to take you. He wants to reveal sin in your life. He wants to reveal the things. And when he does, take authority, take responsibility for that. Whatever it is. And use the authority to get it out of your mind and out of your life. Father, I thank you for every person today that heard the word of God. I thank you, Father, that we just stir. Oh, stir in us, Lord God, our responsibility as sons and daughters, our authority as sons and daughters, that we're royalty. Glory be to God. We're royalty right now, right now. We're kings and priests. The word declares that we're kings and priests. And we thank you, Father, for the victory that's in Christ Jesus. We thank you, Father, that we are the, the sons of the king. Hallelujah. And I thank you. I speak that over every person in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about Legacy Church and other resources, visit us online at legacyfamily.info.